do shit. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I am privileged to have another amazing metahuman in the lounge with me today, an Air Force senior enlisted leader, an Air Force wounded warrior savage, and my first sergeant here at our deployed location, Benjamin Siegel. What's going on, Ben? How you doing? Uh, it's just another day in the life, another beautiful day in the Sejoa with my favorite chief. <laughs> I'm just trying to make things happen on the daily. Yeah, absolutely. Normally, I uh, ask people, you know, what's going on in their neck of the woods, but we've been sharing the same neck of the woods for a little <laughs> bit here. But um, I got to say, man, ever since you you got here, it's just been amazing. Um, and this entire deployment has been awesome. I've learned a lot. This is a very unique situation without us going too much into details about what we do out here. But um, but you're an absolute savage, man. I'm so grateful that we got to connect and I got to spend some time, got to get some runs in together and just everything. So appreciate you, brother. Now, Chief, the, the feeling is mutual. Um, I think I've learned more in the, in the past couple of months. Than I've learned in the past couple of years, it seems. Huh. But then again, I always kind of feel like that uh, as, as we go through life, when we meet people, when we find ourselves in situations, I think, uh, one starts to think about uh, why we are where we are. I think that's when those things start to make sense when we start running into the people mm -hmm. that we run into. Um, and it's just been a, a treat for me to be here with you and be able to take care of these folks. Um, I couldn't ask for anything better. Yeah, me too. Me too. Man, so we're going to get into some great conversations, but um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to start off. Uh, whenever we have a first time guest to lounge, we love for them to share their story because we we often figure, you know, we can gain a lot of wisdom from the experience of others. So first question, how did Ben Sequel become the man he is today? Well, it didn't happen by accident, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, I was I was born and raised in, in the great state of Rhode Island. And I say great state because it's the smallest state in the union. And I've been uh, positioned around the country and in some very large states and states that had a lot of pride in, uh, um, in, in their flag and, and nobody really talks about Rhode Island. So I try to say the great state to kind of give it a little bit of extra extra prop. Mm. I don't think it ever goes over very well because people usually think it's a small suburb outside the Bronx. <laughs> um, but yeah, small town beginnings. Um, you know, my father was the first employee in a company and it worked his way all the way up to, to be uh, the vice president of that company and uh, that'll mm. probably pay, play um, into my story a little bit later uh, as we dive into it. But uh, yeah, small, small town, grew up in the woods, uh, had a lot of siblings. I had three brothers and a sister, so five of us total. Um, two dogs, two cats, and a partridge and pear tree. I'm kidding about <laughs> the cats because my mother hated cats. Oh. Wasn't allowed to have any, uh, but then I got married eventually, and then my wife brought cats in the house. So that's why I had the cats. But yeah, I would say it was a, I had a great childhood. Um, it really was. Um, my father um, instilled in me uh, a work ethic uh, that I remember to this day and that, that I talk about when I'm when I'm dealing with uh, with, with my people and I try to explain to them my my take on, on what it means to be a, a servant and a leader and I incorporate a lot of those lessons that my father taught me at a very young age and, and what life was all about and what was important and, and what it is that, that made a, a man or a human being mm -hmm. um, so I kind of grew up in this in this nice in a way sheltered environment where I felt like I was very nurtured and, uh, and led down the right path. You know, as I was growing up, um, I thought often, my father would often ask me, you know, what I wanted to do when, when I grew up. And uh, that was a very interesting question to me because I, I had no idea, like most <laughs> young men, you know, I always thought about being a, you know, professional uh, athlete or, 
you know, being a rock star or something like that, something that made a lot of money, something that right. didn't make sense, right? <laughs> a lot of lofty goals. And then as I got older, um, I had some uh, family members that were, were in law enforcement and my grandfather was in, in the Navy. So I kind of um, had an affinity for uh, men and women in uniform. Mm -hmm. And what uh, I started to really explore what it meant to to serve and be a part of something, something bigger. And I just knew that when, when I, when I see these examples of people doing these great things, I would think to myself, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe I can do that. Maybe one day, um, if I'm lucky, I could be uh, one of those people that mm -hmm. uh, can help people and be a part of uh, um, something that is just outside of, of who I am as a person and, and, and really be a part of that, that bigger picture. And so uh, originally, believe it or not, I wanted to be a firefighter. Um, you know, you see firefighters on the, on the news all the time in the, in the newspaper, if those things exist anymore, I don't know. And that's kind of, kind of how I started, um, you know, my, my teenage years is wanting to kind of do stuff like that. And then, uh, I started seeing, uh, cops on TV and then, um, really started becoming interested in law enforcement and, uh, and seeing what those professionals did day in, day out to really help their community. And we had a local police department that I would see on a frequent basis. Uh, it was a small town, so it was a little more personal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just saw what they did, and I just thought it was the coolest thing since sliced bread. And uh, I wanted to be a cop when I grew up. And I, I kind of settled on it. I was like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to learn anything. I just want to be a cop, rolling around in a squad car, flashing lights, carry a gun. That's what it's all about, the end all be all. And I kind of I settled on that without really knowing what, uh, what that was going to end up meaning <laughs> and what the job actually looked like. Um, and as I got closer to the point in my life, as I progressed through my teenage years, um, you know, working with my brother in a landscape company, which is where I really kind of developed um, what I would describe as my work ethic that my father instilled into me, um, I, I started talking a lot with my grandfather about his service mm. um, in, in the Navy. And uh, I remember the first thing he told me was that... He's like, son, if you want to join the military, don't join the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked her why. I said, well, you know, I haven't been through it and gone through it and viewing the other services. You just recommended that I, that I take a peek at the Air Force. So, mm. so I, I, I factored that in. I ended up talking to a bunch of recruiters, sat down and talked to my father about what he thought. So I really did care about what my, what my father thought about what I did. And one of the reasons why I cared so much about my dad's opinion and I, I'll harken back to a, um, what I alluded to earlier, you know, as my dad was teaching me about life and, and what it meant to, to lead a good life and mm -hmm. do what right looks like. I just remember him always washing his car. Yeah. Uh, a simple thing, but he loved to do it. He liked a shiny car. And I always appreciated seeing the car when it was done, this finished product, this beautiful thing. Yeah. I think it was a Crown Victoria. I don't think it was anything special. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked him one time, I was like, Dad, you know, can I, you know, I wanted some, some pocket change. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, this, is, this is the quickest way to my father's car. I can ask him to watch the car, get a, get a $5 bill or something like that, and be able to um, go enjoy myself. And he looked at me and he said, okay, All right, I'll let you wash the car, but you have to do a good job. Yeah. And I said, oh, easy. That's the only catch? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. I got you, <laughs> Pops. I'll take care of it. And so he left me to it, gave me the soap, gave me the bucket and, and the hose. And uh, so I washed, I washed this car. And I washed it quick. I was like, I could do this. Easy. Yeah, this is gonna be what you're gonna be. Easy. I didn't. I didn't. It's <laughs> <laughs> easy. Five dollars you're gonna make. I'm gonna take you know, take my old man to the to the cleaners, if you will, and uh, wash the car. I got it done in about ten minutes. Yeah. And he comes rolling back in his other car. Ta-da! Here's the car. You know, where's my five dollars? And uh, my expectation mm -hmm. was that my father was going to look at the car, 
and they look at me and say, good job, and here's your $5. Mm -hmm. And uh, what my father did was, he didn't even look at me. He started walking around the car. Mm -hmm. And my heart began to sink a little bit because he was inspecting the vehicle. And you knew. I knew. <laughs> and I knew that upon closer inspection, that I wasn't quite so confident about <laughs> the quality of my work. And they started pointing at him. And every time he pointed a spot, my heart sank a little bit mm -hmm. and a little bit more. And what's striking to me as I remember that in retrospect is it wasn't about the spots that I missed. It was the feeling that I had let him down right. by not doing those things. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that story and that, that visual and those words, I think, has stuck with me throughout the years. And I have found myself applying that scenario to a lot of other scenarios that that um, that I've encountered in my life. When I'm doing a task, when I'm making a decision, I'm thinking to myself, have I done this the right way? Have I mm -hmm. thought through the process? Even sometimes when I think I have, I think again. Right. And it is kind of crazy how that, that yeah. kind of settled deep down mm -hmm. uh, within me. So when I was going to, to make the decision about what I wanted to do, with the rest of my life, I thought to myself, I think I know what mm -hmm. I want to do. I think I'm ready to present this to the world. Sean, um, I want to run this by Pops real quick mm -hmm. and, and see what his thoughts are, because that was important to me. So I told him my intentions were, and he, he helped me out. He, um, he, uh, I think he was very pleased with my decision to serve and, uh, and joined a branch of the military. So we talked to recruiters. Uh, lo and behold, we ended up settling on the Air Force. Mm -hmm. As a team, he helped me through that process while at the same time letting me know, it's like, hey, son, once you do this, I mean, you are, you are grown. Mm. Um, and I have taught you all that I, that I think that I can teach you. Once you leave this house, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. And everything that you do from here on out will be you as your own separate individual. Um, and that was one of the, uh, one of the things that I also take with me almost everywhere I go. So I joined, I uh, joined the Air Force and I became a security force member, military police officer. And, uh, I was having the time in my life. It was one of the, the, that time in your life when you feel like, you know, you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I instantly felt that with that career field. And there were moments where everything wasn't great, just like with any, any right. profession, but I knew that uh, it just fit in right with my mentality and what I wanted to do with my life and being able to impact people and see the results of that impact. Um, and as I would go along, I would continue to try to progress and like, all right, what's next? What's next? What else can I do? Mm -hmm. How can I, how can I enjoy this, this, um, this experience more? And um, it was an opportunity to uh, transfer from being a regular beat cop, if you will, to being a, uh, a canine handler. Mm -hmm. And I thought, who doesn't? <laughs> want to do something like that right and i had dogs growing up um i loved dogs they were great and i was like well i can just have one at work right and uh you know i'll probably be the coolest kid on the block walk around with this dog everybody will love it it'll be great again kind of looking at something at the, on the surface and not understanding all that went into it so i that i dove into uh head first and lo and behold i ended up enjoying that uh, even more than what i was doing before mm. having that partnership and uh, working day to day with that animal that could do extraordinary things and, and understand you on a level beyond verbal language mm -hmm. um, was something that's incredible. And, and lessons that I learned from the dogs that, that I served with 
it, it's funny. You can almost apply a lot of those principles to the way that we deal with people. Right. Um, and so I, 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 I go back to those lessons learned uh, quite frequently. But the job in and of itself uh, as, a, as an explosive detector dog handler, which what I was, mm-hmm. um, was, was an dangerous job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I realized that um, I was uh, young and dumb and in, in ways and just kind of enjoying being in my element. And I didn't think about all the, the things that, that one should probably think about, um, you know, in their, in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a young family and I'd gotten married to my high school sweetheart. We had two children um, when I started doing that. So it was a uh, life was was full. It was everywhere. It was all over the place. It was it was stressful. It was wonderful. It was happening fast, yeah. um, and I was just uh, really enjoying it. Um, so I didn't have a, t- a lot of time to think about the in between stuff, and uh, and where where that path may lead. Um, and it was that decision to to become a dog handler and and, and be a part of that business that uh, quite literally I think changed the rest of my life. Hmm. That uh, I like to think back to that moment and wonder if I knew what I knew now, would I make the same decision? And I'll explain why I say that in here in a little bit. Um, but becoming a dog handler changed my life. When uh, when I started doing, I started becoming good at, it, started becoming proficient. Um, opportunities came, and uh, with those opportunities came uh, opportunities to travel, uh, take part in other operations that uh, that lent itself to that career field. So I got to deploy a lot. I got to go yeah. to UI. Um, and, and where my life changed um, most dramatically was on uh, my last deployment to, to Afghanistan. Um, and at this point, I am a full-fledged just, I'm feeling like I'm operator status. I am, I am clicking with my team. Uh, me and my dog, Charlie, we were pretty much uh, um, just running the show, or at least we felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this was one of the, uh, the deployments where I was going to get an opportunity to uh, really get out there and really experience uh, war in a way that I, that I had never experienced it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was excited. I was uh, anticipating it. it. It filled my thoughts. It uh, kind of saturated everything. Um, and it was for the excitement. It was for the drama. It was for all the things that I thought I'd be able to do. Uh, so I went on a lot of patrols, a lot of outside the wire patrols. Um, and then the, the day finally came that, uh, that quite literally did, in fact, change my life. Um, so I'd uh, been tasked to uh, go outside the wire with a, uh, a 13-man squad to do a reconnaissance uh, of an area. And uh, it was a pretty standard um, mission, if you will. There was no drama about it. Um, we're going to just check an area out and, uh, and see what there was to be seen and um, go out, gather intelligence, come back in one piece, and call it a day. Um, I think it was about 30, 30 minutes into this patrol. And uh, me and Charlie were at the front uh, of our uh, of our patrol. I mean, which is where I always was mm-hmm. when we were on patrol. We always lead and we clear a path for the people behind us. And uh, as we we're going along, um, in, in in an instant, and I mean an instant, just bam, back behind me, uh, off to the to the left a little bit, just this huge explosion. Mm. Um, it just it it shook me. It it just rippled kind of right through my body, and in that instant. Um, I did the only thing that I knew that I should do, which was just get down on the ground. Um, I didn't, I didn't really understand what was happening. I just knew that I heard an explosion. It was very close and, uh, I had to get down. I had to get down to some kind of cover, protect myself, protect the dog. Um, and there really wasn't a lot of cover out there. There was, there was a very sparse, um, but there was a shallow depression in the grounds, um, off to my right. So I grabbed 
Charlie by the scruff of his neck, which he was none too pleased about. And I shoved him down and I kind of jumped on top of him and uh, just kind of proned out. And then, the, you know, my rifle's up and I'm looking and I've got stuff in front of me and, and me and the navigator and the, and the spotter that was with me. And we're just raiding for all hell to rain down. Mm -hmm. That's just what we thought. Right. And when we sat there staring and looking and uh, what it seemed like an eternity was probably only a couple of seconds and nothing happened. Yeah. Just dead silence. And then sounds started to come back. You started hearing um, intermittent radio chatter throughout, uh, throughout the squad. Uh, people trying to um, get a hold of each other. And then, then we started to hear um, screaming and the people calling out. And anybody who's never heard the, uh, the sound of, uh, of another human being in distress, it is, it is a sound that is a sound that will stick with me, I think, for the rest of my life. Hearing another human being yeah. uh, literally uh, crying out for help um, in an obvious pain. Uh, and it was one of the, uh, the members of our patrol was, was closest to the explosion. Uh, Staff Sergeant Russell Logan at the time out of, out of the Memphis Air Guard um, had caught and, uh, caught the brunt of an explosive device. And uh, he was down. So the team was tending to him. And that's what we were hearing. Um, all the radio chatter and then and the calls for help. And so we were up here at the front of the patrol. We were separated by uh, you know 30 or 40 yards, if you will. But the train was such that we couldn't really see too well. So we're just listening to this and trying to figure out where, what were we supposed to do next? You know, there was no contact. We didn't, you know, people weren't jumping out of the, the shrubbery, if you will. Right. And um, so they sorted all that out and they got quieted down and uh, the squad leader uh, scrubbed the mission. Um, that was, that was our uh, plan all along to receive any kind of contact. Um, so we, uh, we picked up, plotted a quick route back to the base and, and, and then took off. On the way back, you know, we we're a little, little nervous, a little on edge trying to understand kind of what had happened, you know, and this is minutes afterwards. Our minds are just racing through thoughts and scenarios um, on, 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 on were, were we okay, were we going to be safe, uh, how were we going to make it back, all that. Um, but we made it back. We made it back from the site of the T-Walls, a welcome site. And uh, there was one obstacle for us to overcome before we got back. And uh, it was uh, just a, a shallow ravine, like a wadi. Mm -hmm. um, and for those of you that don't know what a wadi is, it's a, a, a just a, a like a uh, like a dried up riverbed, mm -hmm. um, not very deep, and we had to cross it. So we consider that a danger area in, in my line of work. So we uh, posted up security on one side, and then we sent somebody across, uh, make sure the other side was good to go. And I, I stayed behind to, mm -hmm. to watch everybody six. And the guys were with me. They one after the other went across um, and got the other side secured. And then uh, they turned around and, and waved me over. So I took one last look behind me, mm -hmm. and. Uh, Gave Charlie a, a pat on the side of my hip, and that was his cue for, for us to move. Turned around, I, I think I took one or two steps, and this the whole ground underneath me just erupted. Yeah, I felt like I got tossed about 100 feet in the air, probably only about three or four. Um, hit the ground like a like a like a dump truck hitting a wall, and and just surrounded by smoke and um, dust and dirt. Um, I remember smelling, you know, cordite and uh, burning explosive material, burning uniform, um, just in this daze. But I was conscious. I was aware. I could, I could see everything. I could hear. Um, although it's kind of like the movies where your 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 everything is is muted. Right. And I was confused. I, I didn't understand what was happening. I just knew. And the funniest thing is that I just knew that I didn't know where my rifle was. Mm -hmm. 
the funniest thing of all the thoughts <laughs> of all the things to come to one's mind is where is my rifle i need it it's not where it's supposed to be it's gone right. it had been cut off uh, by the explosion and um i found myself kind of clawing around in this mm -hmm. day's confusion and then i think I, I i saw it a couple feet in front of me so i'm mm -hmm. crawling i didn't understand why i wasn't getting up because yeah. it was on the ground and then that's when uh, um one of the patrol uh, leaders jumped down into this uh, hole in the ground that I was kind of walling around in, yeah. you know, looking ridiculous. And uh, I wasn't paying any attention to him, but he ended up wrapping me really so high, uh, hard on the side of the helmet and said, "Hey, Ben, you gotta, you gotta be still. Mm -hmm. You gotta stop. You gotta stop moving around. You got some, you got some issues." Mm -hmm. And it was then that I started to realize that I was, I was experiencing pain and discomfort in my lower extremities. Um, it's funny how you start to realize things, right? Um, I knew there was something wrong with my legs. I didn't know what. I, I took a look down at the other end of the, the trunk, if you will, and I didn't like what I saw. It was a bloody mess down there. Right. Um, so I didn't I didn't look again, um, put it to you that way. But um, so hats off to the team. Um, I, uh, I'd lost my left leg on the scene. It had been blown off uh, a little bit uh, halfway down my shin bone. I think it was hanging on by a couple strands of my boot. It was, uh, um, and I was losing a lot of blood. So my team, I mean, hats off to the team. You know, we talk about teamwork and people know what to do and training and why right. they do things repetitively over and over and over again. I mean, that's why, because they knew exactly what to do and they jumped into action and they got a tourniquet on me mm -hmm. and they knew everything that they needed to do to make sure that I walked away that day. And without them, I know for a fact that I wouldn't. Right. Um, so I can't say enough for the fine folks that, that made sure that I, that I walked off the field that day. And I say walk, but that's exactly kind of what we had to do. Right. <laughs> um, due to our location and what had just happened, we had asked for a, an extract, and they told us no. For one reason or another, I just knew I wasn't pleased about it. Right. Um, but I also really didn't know what was going on either. Um, but uh, the guy just told me, he's like, hey, uh, hey, we got to get out of here. We got to get you uh, We got to get you in. Your injuries need to be attended to like, mm -hmm. now. Yeah. The issue is we only brought one litter, and Russ was on it. <laughs> <laughs> they were already carting him back right. so we didn't have another one and we had to we had to go out on foot um so uh like yeah we're gonna have to we're gonna have to walk to the ecp mm -hmm. um and i didn't know how far away that was i didn't care at that point i was starting to to kind of go in and out but they got uh, an air on each side of me got me propped up and onto my one good leg mm -hmm. which was a little torn up by shrapnel at the time and uh, we hop skipped and jumps <laughs> that's, 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 that's amazing man <laughs> it was uh, it was a wild ride that part i remember very vividly right. um and, and stuff after that uh, uh became a little blurry mm -hmm. um so fast forward you know they got me to the hospital they started taking care of me and you know in and out of surgeries and airlifted out of the country um very very wild and and, and, and strange and ridiculous um and parts of it unmemorable time because i was in and out yeah and I remember, I ended up all of a sudden, poof, snap of the fingers. I'm in Walter Reed Army Medical Center in D.C. And I wake up, and my wife's there. And I knew she was there. Um, I, I'd come in and out a couple of times, and I knew she was with me. And that was my first moment, I think, of being awake yeah. and being able to process what was going on. And she was asleep. What was the time lapse? 
between that. Oh, from the time yeah, I Yeah, yeah. And when you first first now it's the first time you're awake, you know what I mean? And you so, see your wife sleeping right there. I think the the lapse from when I um I got hit on the eighth of May, which I'm coming up on my ten year anniversary. Right, right. It was two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. Um here in a couple of weeks now. Um I think it was five days. Wow. Um I think I spent two okay. two full days in launch stool. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple surgeries for infection, and then they put me on a on a um, medevac uh, C seventeen to yeah. DC, mm. where they brought me to uh, Walter Reed DC, and I think they had they had gotten my wife on the Megan on the plane uh, the day that it happened, mm-hmm. um, and uh, she was at the hospital yeah. when I arrived. So that's like five days. Just gone. it was quick. Yeah. Just yeah. just gone. I, there was a lot of missed time in there. A lot of uh, people that I know came to see me, and I know that were supporting me uh, right. throughout those days. That uh, I wish I could remember a little bit better. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I, I did know. I'm sure, I they did. understand. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they, sure they did. But yeah, then all this time had passed, and then then I'm awake and, and, and conscious and lucid, and she was there. So I, I think I don't know if I needed a moment for myself, but I knew she had probably been sitting there for a while. So she stirred, and I said, "Hey, have you got anything to eat?" Yeah. She said no. I was like, "Why don't you go down to the cafeteria and uh, grab yourself something?" She must have been hungry because she went. Yeah. And now I'm alone mm-hmm. in this room, able to assess myself for the first time. And so I'm looking down. I'm, I'm bandaged. You know, mm-hmm. all my uh, one leg is is definitely shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one's all bandaged up. I got a wound vac on. Right. Just trying to figure out what is going on here. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm crippled. Um, my life is over. Yeah. Is my life over? I don't know. Am I going to be able to do the things that I love to do? Am I going to be able to be a father to my children, husband to my wife? Am I going to be able to run play basketball, play football? All these just things just started just flashing through my mind and what if, what if, what if, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right. And then my thought process was completely interrupted. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the the turning point, I think, for me, of, of many turning points. But this was, I think, the catalyst. Right. The night charge nurse appeared, or who I assume was the night charge nurse. And this guy shows up in my doorway with a clipboard, and he's staring at me. And I could tell I am being assessed. Right. I am being assessed right now. And he looked at me. He looked at the chart. And he looked back at me. And then he kind of shrugged. And said, uh, eh, you'll be fine. I've seen worse. Hmm. And then he walked off. Hmm. And so I'm sitting here trying to figure out life's many problems. Right. And then I encounter this gentleman. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, I was looking for something. I was looking for something to grab a hold of. And that was it. Hmm. This guy for whatever reason, thought I could do it. Right. And I latched onto that wow. like it was going out of style. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what it meant. I don't know how long it was going to take. I just knew right there in that hospital room, somebody believes that this is not over. Hmm. And it's because of those few words that I decided right there in the hospital, I'm just going to dump everything I got into it. Hmm. Somebody thinks I can do it. And that's where I put this, this little, this little hashtag for 
the spoken words between us and how powerful we always talk about the power of words and the conversation right. these right. these little things that we say to people day in and day out right. that we don't think a lot of and i'm sure this guy doesn't remember that mm-hmm. you probably said it to a bunch of people right um but i have told that story about that guy i'm not even sure if he existed maybe i made him up <laughs> but those simple words i have carried with me over the past 10 years and so I always tell people, be careful what you say. Mm-hmm. Be mindful of what you say to people, because there could be somebody in that room that is taking those things that you say, and that could be a turning point in their life. Mm-hmm. And they could be latching onto that and using that for, for good or for ill. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's so important mm-hmm. um, to, to, be, to be careful about the spoken word and who we're saying it to and when we're saying it to them. Because yeah. um, I, I grabbed a hold of that. I, yeah. I, I would say I seized it. Maybe it was the only piece of wood floating in the sea at the time, and I just yeah. grabbed onto it. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely uh, repurposed me and, and gave me something to focus on, which was, I'm going to find a way mm-hmm. to beat this. I'm going to find a way to win. And that's just kind of how I started. Um, working through all of the issues with uh, with being disabled and, and, and what my thoughts were on that and how I was going to incorporate that into my life and decide where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be. It was all started at that one point. And it was hard. It was difficult. There were, there were days when it was, it was, it was not good. And there were days where I did not want to. Right. But every time I felt that way, that was this, this pinging in the back of my mind where, but what if you could? Cause someone else thought you could. And so that would be my cue to, to go, mm-hmm. to make sure that I did. When the pain was too much, when I was tired, when I was discouraged, right. and I was like, well, someone else may have been able to do this. Maybe I can too. So you take one step and then you take another and then you realize you can take one more. Mm-hmm. And then you just, it just builds and multiplies. And the next thing you know, you're, 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 you're standing on your own two feet. And I remember that day I was able to stand yeah. for the first time with, with the help of a prosthetic uh, limb. One of the happiest days of my life. I have a picture of it. I have it on the fridge. Nice. Um, and it was such a simple thing, but it was a triumph. Mm-hmm. And then what crept into my head is, well, what else can I do? Mm. Huh. I wonder if I can run. Hmm. Let me try that. And then I went through that process to try and do that. And then the thought started to become, well, huh. Well, I can do that. Maybe I can do what it is I love to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can still serve my country. Uh, that I love serving to wear, the uniform that I love to wear. I wonder if I can do that. Up to this point, did, did that even come up as a discussion? Um, it did. I, I think I brought it up. I think the first words out of my mouth that, uh, uh, and I don't remember saying it, but I guess I said it over a satellite phone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is um, hours after I got hit. Uh, I think uh, the the command, the base commander would give me a satellite phone so I could call home. I don't remember what I said, yeah. but apparently... I was talking to to Megan and I told her, don't let them kick me out. I'm coming back. Mm. Um, so I think that thought was already ingrained in, in, in my head. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, uh, I think the, the, the thoughts and the feelings on that were, were down there and ingrained mm-hmm. in me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So I was thinking like, you know, you're going through this recovery process and it's an uncomfortable conversation for someone to have with you to even bring up that 
if it's a possibility, it won't be happening, right? Sure. I, I think the my commander at the time, um, I, I definitely knew there were some doubts. Um, mm -hmm. They knew what I wanted, mm -hmm. um, but nobody at my at my base had ever seen something like that. Right. Um, there were no examples. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at least not a lot on the Air Force side. Mm -hmm. it, it was more common in the Army and the Marine Corps. Right. You hear stories. You've seen people uh, mm -hmm. be able to bounce back from that and do incredible right. things. Right. Um, but, you know, I was just Joe Blow, uh, mm -hmm. security forces guy from right. from from base X. And, uh, and they're like, oh, and I know the conversation because it had gotten back to me mm -hmm. was that this guy's finished. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And I definitely had that that little chip in the back of my yeah. head. Well, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but it also did. You know, it, 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 I think it affected me. Yeah. It, uh, uh, you know, for every for every ounce of, of positive input, there's also there's the negative. Mm -hmm. um, and I was definitely concerned with wanting to to make sure that I was, was still valued yeah um, but also understanding that this is a serious thing mm -hmm. um, I didn't know at that point anyone right who was an amputee that was currently serving I, I knew that they existed but I didn't know anyone right I had it was, it was kind of trailblazing for me I'd never mm -hmm. never been down this road never knew didn't know anybody that had gone down that road so I didn't even really know. Um, besides my, you know, um, you know, bravado and, and, and saying, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go there and take, right. take it to them. Right. Um, I, I didn't know. And there was yeah. doubt. Yeah. Um, and, and hearing, hearing others echo that doubt was, was something that I had to process. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what I was thinking, like you're taking that in, but then there's also that not knowing there's almost sometimes there could be the positivity that comes behind that, like that, that blind naivete. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, hundred percent. Um, <laughs> Just trying to, you know, yeah, this is uh, maybe, you know, right. maybe I can do it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I can. Uh, right. Saying there's yeah. a chance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and I think, you know, that's, when you, when you say the word chance, um, I've spoken on that uh, um, a bunch of times before, and I think that's really having, not knowing how this was all going to work out, right. I think anyone in the, that scenario or a scenario like it, because right. there are many others, that just wasn't, that was just mine, Yeah. was I don't necessarily know if I'm fighting for a particular result. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get to a certain point because I might not get there. I, I realized that. I think I, I knew that, you know, what I, what I wanted and what was going to be were probably two different things. Right. But I think it was the chance mm -hmm. was the reason I kept getting up. Um, yeah. I think if you, if you fall over and over again and, and you, and you keep getting back up, you're getting up for the chance to stay up. Right. It's that time when you decide not to mm -hmm. that you've lost it. Because mm -hmm. you're going to get up and you're going to fall down. You're going to get up and you're going to fall down. And I definitely did. Right. But the reason I kept getting up is that maybe this time, mm -hmm. maybe there's a chance I'll stay up. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that mentality just kept flashing through. Every time I would get discouraged, every time I would feel like it was too much, I was like, well, maybe maybe this time. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was, it's that chance that, that we, that we strive for, that we're fighting yeah. for, um, cause no one can know the future. Right. Um, yeah. But if we stop, then we can decide our own future right there, right, right. there at the gate. We've decided ourselves. Yeah. And I think it is a decision. Right. Um, I felt like I needed to make a decision. I needed need to go for this mm -hmm. or sit down. Right. There's no halfway. No. Yeah. That, that's the thing. And so I think that's something that I definitely, after, um, we dive a little bit more into your story i want to dig into because 
I want to talk about just the concept of having that savage mindset, right? And we were talking about it when you and I have talked about this before, you know, whether we're just running a 5k and you and I are just talking and, and we're sprinting in front of everybody, not even realizing that we just dusted everybody. Right. You have one leg and I'm pushing 40 <laughs> and, we're, and, we're, and we're just running down 20 year olds, you know, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like just a thought behind where's the mentality at. And so I definitely want to dig into that. But yeah, let's get back to your story. So, so you're you're recovering. You stand up for the first time. What's next? What's going on next? Uh, I mean, then really the the next step for me at that point was uh, I got to learn to walk again. Yeah. Um, you figure you only have to do that once in your life. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you right now, yeah. experience is much harder the second time. <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> I don't remember my first steps, but I remember my second. Right. Um, and it, it was difficult. It was hard um, uh, trying to. Uh, you know, you, you ever walk around with your foot asleep? Yeah. Try to walk. It doesn't work out <laughs> yeah. that great. It's exactly what it feels like. You just, yeah. your legs asleep. You can't feel anything. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there was no, I couldn't make a connection yeah. between the bottom of my foot and the ground. Mm. There was this. Yeah. It's disconnect. not the same. There was yeah. a disconnect. Right. <laughs> right. And so you're, you're walking around and it's like you're, you're, you're intoxicated. Um, and, and it was painful. Mm. Um, that was probably the big, my biggest um, lymphac at the beginning was, was pain. And it wasn't from the injury. It was, you know, your leg is not designed to bear weights on your, on, on your shin. Right. Which is kind of where I'm cut off halfway right. about, you know, yeah. um, you know, about 12 inches of my, uh, you know, 12 and a half inches of my leg is gone. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're now bearing half your body weight right. on something that was never designed to bear weight. And mm -hmm. it's just, it is, it's like walking on a, on a steak knife. Right just kind of poking up through the bottom uh, of your, of your foot. Yeah. Um, so I would have to take a lot of uh, pain medication just to be able to walk without, without sitting down. Um, and for that, I mean, it was just repetition, um, you know, over and over and over again, just, just diligently mustering the energy and the willpower to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, it really, really was. And that, that was like the times where if I felt like I wanted to quit at any point, right. It was learning how to walk again. Right. Cause it just hurt. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I knew I was like, again, that, that cue in the back of my mind where I wouldn't want to get up and I wouldn't want to go to therapy was this is where you're finding out about yourself, Ben. This is what you're all about. This is, mm -hmm. if you want to know, right. here's your opportunity, right? What are you all about? Mm -hmm. Are you about it or are you not? And it's almost like that self-shaming in a way, right, like, right, right. <laughs> like, all right, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, trying to be a punk about this. I'm going to keep going. Right. Yeah. Um, and that drove me. <laughs> yeah, I've used that many times, like, <laughs> you know, to not disappoint myself, let alone everybody else. Right. Um, to, to keep putting one foot in front of the other and, yeah. and pressing. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, I, I read the, uh, the book, the book of joy and the Dalai Lama talks about something and it just hits you hard. Talks about where do you see growth? Do the flowers bloom on top of the mountains or in the valleys? Right. right? And the water always goes down into the valleys. That's where you see the growth. And I can only imagine how quick the growth must have happened. Like every minute you must have been growing in those <laughs> circumstances because you're right. literally in pain. You're at the bottom. You don't even know if you can go to walk. The crucibles of feeling like you're questioning yourself, you know, your manhood, your leadership, everything in that moment, you know, a, a leader of a family, I can imagine just, and that's where the growth comes from. Right. right. And, and, and it's just amazing. Cause I remember you told me something one time and I want to jump ahead on your story, but you told me you found that to be a blessing to go through that. 
I did. And that's just amazing to me. You know, I did. I think the, uh, the, the perspective, and I messed a lot of it up. Mm -hmm. Um, it's easier to talk about it now and talk about, um, uh, talk about it on the other side, but I made, I made a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. doing it. This was not a perfect process. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a process as, as, we both have, have, have conversed about um, that I'm still going through. And every time I think that I have it figured out, I realize that I don't. Right. Um, and I went through a series of stages um, with that. But yeah, I, uh, I was tested regularly. Um, but I would not, if I could go back and I've had people ask me, hey, you know, if they could, you know, snap their fingers and you could grow, mm -hmm. you know, another leg or they, you know, uh, came up with some cool technology, mm -hmm. um, would you would you do it? And my answer is no. Mm -hmm. uh, I would not turn back the clock. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't even grow the leg again, mm -hmm. because I think the lessons that that experience taught me, um, had I not gone through that, I, I don't, we wouldn't be here talking today. Right. Um, I wouldn't have been in, in positions and, and had opportunities to impact other people's lives or mine. Mm -hmm. or, or my family's lives had I not gone through that 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 life's lesson so I can't I can't appreciate it enough yeah. to be honest with you it it has taught me things about myself that I never would have known mm -hmm. and I would have there would have been a part of my life that I think would be forever missing that I would be forever lacking in in understanding and, and, and perspectives had I not gone through this experience it taught me who I was in a lot of respects and showed me who I was not right. and gave me um, so many more targets for, I need to work on this or I need to work on that. Right. And I didn't have that figured out because mm -hmm. the mentality of, of continually trying to better yourself is started just physically. Right. Um, I need to be better physically. I need to make sure that I can do the things that I used to be able to do. But that thought process is contagious right. and it started, it started to infect everything. That, that I had going on in my life at, at, and at different times. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the marker keeps moving and, and there's so many different ways that, 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 I, that I can go with it. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it out for the world. Yeah. Not, not a chance. And, and you're, you know, the, the, the challenge you went through, of course, and that's just putting it lightly, right? I would not wish that upon anybody, but no. I do because I went through my own struggles and, you know, most people that make it somewhere, have gone through some struggles, right? And some trauma. And the more I look back at what helped me get to where I'm at and listen to your story, helping you get to where you're at, I actually feel bad for someone who doesn't get to go through that adversity of some type, right? Right. Because for me, and I'll just use a very simple example. Before I knew I could run six miles, I didn't think I could run six miles. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, yeah. all right. Before I knew I could run a full marathon, I didn't I wasn't sure if I could run a full marathon. Right. So going through that struggle and experience now, if I'm if I'm struggling at mile one, <laughs> I know that this is just, you know, it's just mile one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, many, it's many just a weakness leaving my body right now. Right. Right. And um, and your experience of having to relearn how to walk with one less limb and all the struggles that come with that we were talking about, like you were telling me about how you have to manage your heat you know, differently now in your body, right? right? Yeah. I mean, those are things that a lot of people don't even consider and you have to deal with those different things, but you've gone through it. And it's just like that funny thing. It's like, but did you die? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right? And you know that you can do that now, right? I mean, and that's when, when people get coddled so much to the point where they don't experience and they don't put themselves in situations either, they right. don't know what their capacity is. They have no idea. 
Yeah, it's like that stress. You know, we, we talked a lot about stress management and, and, and how we deal with, with, with problems and how it affects us when, when things change. And going through all of that and having things being constantly changing, everything, mm-hmm. everything about my life was changing right. and having to go through it and then getting through it and getting to the other side and then flash forwarding, you know, a couple of years yeah. and you're going through other struggles. Right. It is extremely comforting to have that thought in the back of your mind. Right. Well, well, I've done that. Right. And I was able to overcome it somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. So this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. I just need to figure out how to work my mind around it. Right. And that is a very comforting thought when you're going through trying times. Right. Um, just and, and it's anything when I talk, you know, when we talk about it being, you know, contagious and infectious. Mm-hmm. I, I apply that to almost anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going through having, you know, trouble with, uh, you know, uh, with the job, having trouble with, uh, with, uh, with my marriage or right. uh, my children who are, yeah. you know, half of them are teenagers now. So right. God bless me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like. I know how to do this. Right. I You've just been through to, it. I just need to apply it. Right. And take that, that, that mental pause and that breath and know that I can. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not I choose to lean forward and, and fall into it. Right. Um, whereas I think had I not had that experience, most most people's initial reaction to, to difficult things is to fall back. Right. And recoil mm-hmm. and escape it rather than embrace it. Right. And it's terrible. It's awful. It sucks. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, as you well, we've talked. But I think embracing those things is is what makes us better people and well, more well-rounded uh, all around in general. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I am happy with uh, um, with my life circumstances, and I'm happy that I I was blessed, really, mm-hmm. to. And it sounds funny to to have to have been given the opportunity to struggle. Right so that I can be better. Right. And you're right. When you, when you see people that encounter things that, that haven't been so blessed, right. and it sounds like such a, right. like an odd concept, but you, and you see them struggle and you wish that you could give them that perspective and that, um, that experience that you yeah. went through, cause you know, it would help them. Right. And they'd yeah. be able to see. Do you find yourself having a hard time empathizing <laughs> sometimes with those people who are complaining about, you know, spilt milk <laughs> right <laughs> you know because i you and i you know we won't name any names but we've experienced it where um we have somebody who is first experience um leading a group of people and you know they have a couple disciplinary issues pop up and they're like man this is this is insane and we're like we call this tuesday in our squadron right now, you know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't this isn't that big of a deal this is normal when you have a lot of people right. people do dumb stuff you know and they recover from it they do you know it yeah it does um i do have a hard time and that's one of my uh, my checks is to make sure that i'm uh i'm not uh, uh applying me too much to to another individual but it is, it, it disheartens me sometimes to see people get so wrapped up sometimes and this is happening and, mm-hmm. and everything kind of just stops mm-hmm. and they, and, and, and folks get fixated on the, on the problem and, and they, the next step is what they're, what they're up against. Right. What do I do next? Right. Because I, but they can't get over the issue. So they're, mm-hmm. they're not taking the step. Mm-hmm. It's like, again, a little bit of, you know, recoiling and going back from it and trying to escape it. Whereas if you've gone through um, traumatic events, whether it be mental, physical, or whatever the case may be, now my thought process is to, okay, cool. Now how do I figure this out? Right. Here's the problem. Yeah. Let me let me work with my folks, my team, my mentors, my leaders. Mm-hmm. We can fix this. Right. 
Um, yeah. You know, I had a mentor of mine says we can fix everything except death and taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of 100% <laughs> true, 100% true. Um, and so that's just kind of how I approach that. Right. And it, it is, again, a comforting thought that we can figure this out. Right. We just have to lean into it mm-hmm. um, and not get stuck on, on the X. Yeah. Um, pick a direction and go. Mm-hmm. Um, decide what you're about and then, and then be about it. Um, so it is, it is hard sometimes to, to, you know, like the site, like the way Nero sees the matrix, right. Sometimes the way I see problems and I know a lot of issues that, that we worked through in our tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think we work extremely well together because we, we see things in a similar light mm-hmm. and the frustration I think comes where we want to give that. Right. But I think there's only, and where, where it goes back to the blessing is certain right. people are blessed with that experience mm-hmm. and that, um, yeah. that perspective and some people are not, and right. you're, you're consistently wanting to impart it, but then how do you impart it without that, that crucible? Right. Um, it's almost like a, it's almost a must right. in a way, unless somebody possesses that naturally. And there, there are folks right. that have that. And, and I'd love to talk to as many of those people as I can. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it is like, it sounds funny, but a blessing of a tragedy or adversity in your life, you know, sure. but, but it really is if you can get the perspective and turn it around and learn from it, right? Which is a big if for some people, but I've experienced it many times. And when I was probably a younger NCO, I was at Travis for a long time. The first time I was there, I was there for eight years. And me being overly confident in my own capabilities, I used to think, because people always talk about, hey, you got a PCS, you got to experience stuff, you're going to be a better leader if you PCS. And I was like, I'm a great leader without PCS. I've been here eight years, you know what I mean? I'm just being overly confident, naive, right? Just totally <laughs> ignorant. And then I leave and I do a couple overseas tours in a row in places that have a lot of adversity, getting some face punches oh, in really? Korea for a little bit, <laughs> Go, right? This, going yeah. to all these things. And then I come back to that same base and I saw some people still there. <laughs> right. I was there, right? <laughs> and then when a crisis happens, COVID happens, things are not the same, right? Life happens. I see those people that stayed and never went and experienced some adversity or some face punches along the way. Well, you know, you get those experiences and you come back. Those people who stayed there had a hard time dealing with losing their minds. Right. 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 And, you know, I think for us, it's important that we don't overwhelm our folks when we're, when we're developing them. If they don't get to experience some adversity like that, we almost got to put them in there. Right. Because you know, it's funny that you mentioned that piece about uh, not overwhelming, because sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, you, someone presents you with, right. with something. And my initial thought is, I, I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you almost instantly start seeing how you would unpack it and it just right. seems natural and, mm-hmm. and and the right way to do things for them. I mean, it's, it's, it's enveloping their entire world and they're right. overwhelmed by it. So again, trying to take that mental pause, like, all right, this is, I got to look at this from outside my perspective. Right. But I, I've seen a lot of that, you know, here and other places that I've been, and I've also been blessed to, to have been traveling, you know, traveling around the air force, right. being outside of my career field mm-hmm. and, and be many places and meet many people. It makes those transitions from place to place. Um, where people are stagnant right to to be able to give them that 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 wisdom and knowledge that, mm-hmm. that you've gained along the way because it's difficult you know you right. think you're smart until you get to the next spot and right, you realize right. there's all those things you <laughs> yeah. don't know yeah. <laughs> um, and i encountered that throughout my recovery where i thought there were several stages where i thought i had arrived right and then realized that i knew absolutely nothing right. Yeah, um, where I thought I knew what being resilient was, and mm-hmm. then I got schwacked with something different, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wait a minute, I, I thought I was, I thought I was there, right? Um, I didn't see it as a continuous process, yeah, 
you know, when we look at, uh, at building resilient um, human beings, um, I think we, we sometimes lose that in the messaging where mm -hmm. this is just something that you, you, you take a class on and you, and you become <laughs> this thing, right. this, this right. resilient um, uh, and, um, uh, being, if you will. Um, that's how I thought of it. And then right. why am I being stressed right now? Why, right. why, why, why yeah. are things not working out? Yeah. I don't understand this. It wasn't until I embraced it as this is a process that I have to apply. Right. Over and yeah. over and over and over again. And that is what true resiliency is. It's knowing that you have the process right. to go through. And I didn't, I learned that late. Yeah. Like oh. You think I'd have learned it in the first yeah. year or two of going through all that, but <laughs> right. I didn't. I, yeah. and, and again, the, you know, stuff at work, stuff with my relationships, I didn't see. Mm -hmm. And it just took that, that, that repetitive process of moving around and gaining mm -hmm. the, that knowledge and that experience in other areas right. to finally come to the realization that I probably still had no idea right. what well, I'm doing. Well, I think that's the thing, right? <laughs> to me, and I, I've said this before in a couple episodes, and I, I've just said, I didn't start looking at the world through a grown man's eyes that long ago. You know, what I mean? it wasn't that long ago. To me. It wasn't when I was 18. It wasn't one of my mid-20s, early 30s. It wasn't that long ago when I started seeing the world through adult eyes. And I think a huge part of that was realizing that I'll never arrive. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's, huge part of it, right? That's a terrible thought. <laughs> <laughs> there is no there is no arrival, right? It, it, I mean, you're always we're always going to be a work in progress, you know? And, and every time we think we figured it out, the Lord's going to make sure we know that we didn't, <laughs> you right. know? Uh, and we're, we're continuously uh, build, building our humility, but I, I say this all the time and I still can't remember who originally said it. I've been looking for who said this, but the wiser I become, the the broader the plane of my own ignorance. I realize true words have never been spoken. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's where I think I started realizing it's like, you know, in a simpler terms is I realized, you know, I started realizing I was mature when I realized I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Yeah. You know, um, you know, cause you get people that, um, that ask you how you do it. Mm -hmm. now, how did you do it? How right. did you get there? Right. You know, sometimes in quiet moments, you, you almost say to yourself, oh, geez, I have no idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me um, think through this for a second. You know, how do I how do I give that to another person as, as a blueprint? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what people look for, but it's mm -hmm. not that simple. Right. Um, you almost have to, you, you've got to get it. You got to go out like uh, uh, like Bruce Wayne and and, and, right. and, uh, and embrace the lifestyle for a little bit to, to get that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's a hard thing to do. Right. Um, if, if, if you don't have it just occur naturally. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, that I'd like to think that I get closer and closer, but I just know it's a journey that I want to continue traveling on. Right. Um, and, and, and continually trying to be better and, and learn. Um, and it's surprising how much I don't know. Right. And it's surprising how it still surprises me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we, we, like to to think that we're getting better and better i think we are right but again through that comes discovery yeah um, that there's so much more mm -hmm. in the universe that we just don't understand mm -hmm. um but again using some of those skills that we've learned and those uh, mentalities that vastness it helps bring it a little bit more into focus yeah. it's not quite so overwhelming right um, and i wish you know, as I go, if I had a hope and I had had a dream, it would be to bring as many people as I can to that realization as well. As as hard as it as it often is to to have those conversations and explain things to people when they can't see it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
sometimes it's like beating your head against the wall. <laughs> we can both attest. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, going back to, you know, I wrapped up before I started my new journey, you know, after, you know, I said my first disability was uh, not being able to walk. My second disability was um, realizing that uh, I didn't know everything mm -hmm. and still don't. You know, after I learned how to walk again, um, you know, I, I very quickly learned how to jog and then run. And yeah. then the big obstacle was coming back to the Air Force and being able to prove to the Air Force that I was a valued member and can perform. And so I went through that whole process with the medical board. Mm -hmm. um, I would say relative ease um, at that point. Um, it wasn't a, uh, uh, a dramatic series of events. You know, I took a PT test, passed it in the 90s, um, about eight seven months after I lost my leg, I was, I was through the med board process and, and, and returned to duty. Yeah. Um, I think that was in February of 2012. So from May, 2011 to February, 2012, um, that was, that was the process. And then poof, we're back in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say my, my folks were really good about uh, welcoming me back and getting me back into it. And then became the second part of the journey is all right. But my first stage where I thought I was, all right, I've arrived, I can do this. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, I would say I stagnated for a good year or two hmm. where I thought I was there. Of course, as a young staff sergeant, I knew right. um, And then I very slowly began to realize that that was not going to work, yeah. that uh, I needed to continue to to drive forward and, and, and push myself and challenge myself. Hmm. Um, and uh, so I started getting into things that, that I, I might not have uh, ordinarily got into, um, took a lot of suggestions from, from leaders and mentors and, and just really started embracing, well, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. um, and not being centered on, on one particular thing, diversifying and finding uh, what else I was good at. And if, if I'm able to challenge myself here, well, maybe I can take on that, that project. Maybe I can take, take on, um, uh, that mission over there, this mission over here. Nice. Um, and then that just started to snowball and build upon itself. Mm -hmm. um, I would say being involved in adaptive sports um, was, was probably one of the biggest um, uh, things that aided me going forward. I was able to you know, be, be a part of the, uh, the Air Force Winter Warrior, yeah. adaptive sports teams, um, and uh, be able to, to captain and lead those teams through right. um, uh, various warrior games. Then I got picked up on the national level. Mm -hmm um to to work with uh, the invictus foundation that uh, prince harry had established and uh participate in the invictus games and lead the u.s team as a team captain through uh through an invictus down in australia um and it was just going through that and, and not only working on myself personally but working on the team and trying to figure out how to get all of these bodies and all these right. minds um working on these things i think i learned more about teamwork and building building teams doing that right than i did maybe in any uh professional military education right. that i received so uh, i say all that just to say that there are so many different ways to get um uh to to those points to those things that you're looking for and um, that's why i look at the entire thing as i look back over the you know um, the decade um just probably one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life was the worst thing. Yeah. Um, and that's just an incredibly powerful and moving thought. For me. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I, I love that perspective. And I love what you just shared about 
with the Invictus games and uh, the Warrior games, right? Like what you just described is the perfect example of why people should get involved in things, whether it's a professional org, whether it's leading your church groups, whatever it might be. For you, it was that, right? Because we gain skills on building teams and leading our peers in those scenarios. Sometimes we don't have all those opportunities and within our office, right? right? <laughs> Whatever that might be, right? You might be leading a team of two, right? I mean, you might yeah, be with no, your absolutely. dog, you know, <laughs> you know and that's all I got it. And then there are opportunities though, they're out there. And a lot of people think that they look at the enlisted force structure and says, well, it says I'm supposed to do this. So I guess I'll go sit at the meeting and just not do anything, right? And it's like, no, you're not supposed to be checking the block. There's a reason why we want you to do those things, right? So that you can gain some of the, the relationship building those skills interpersonal skills have the and leading your peers is the hardest thing ever especially when you're in a, a room full of alphas right, <laughs> right? yeah no <laughs> and i can only imagine when you're when you're leading your teammates you know i mean that's got to be these guys have all gone through something <laughs> right Tough. so there was we were all on a level playing field right there was no there was no extra um you didn't get any extra daps for right. just just for being in the room um but you're right um and maybe we don't do a good enough job explaining that to our right. folks. Mm -hmm. um, we say, because we're so busy and we get caught up in what we're doing, hey, just, you need to be a part of this. Yeah. But I've been guilty of it, not mm -hmm. explaining the reason why. Right. But here's why. Mm -hmm. Here's where the value is. Because mm -hmm. we get distracted and we, we get task, um, you know, task saturated. We just say, hey, you just need to do it. Just take my word for it and do it. Right. Um, and then people are like, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. But, yeah. you know, we were, we were all young ones and, you know, <laughs> right. in one ear, not the other. Yep. Um, but no, I, I appreciate those moments and, and being able to have that that community of people to to continue to reach back to and, and and you know further develop me. And I wish that I had done it sooner. I wasted a lot of time. I know you and I have talked about yeah. wasted time. Yeah. Um, but I wasted so much time at the beginning of my career, which in my professional life, in my in my personal life, in my marriage, I wasted. Right. I wasted things that I will never get back again because mm -hmm. of of fear. Mm -hmm. and, um, and 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 not tackling things and, and taking them head on and avoiding. Do you find that there's like a um, interesting contrast there though that you look back and you're like, yeah, I wasted some time, but I still wouldn't change anything because I might not be the person I am today. Right, if it I is. Did learn faster, a, right? <laughs> it, it can be a conflicting thought process sometimes, right. um, and I think you just. I think when we look back at that, we just got to take you know as we go through this process, we're just going to make mistakes. We got to own right. them. We got to. Uh, appreciate them for what they were right and then and then try <laughs> try not to repeat um mm -hmm. even though i do on, on a frequent basis find mm -hmm. myself in, in similar spots yeah. the, you know ground that i've already traveled mm -hmm. but i think even though it takes us there i think us knowing that and being able to recognize it is the difference right recognizing that that we we are there again it's that cue in the back of the mind like okay i know this mm -hmm. i've been down this road before and I've seen both sides. I've seen yeah. the the me I want to be mm -hmm. in the blueprint of how to continue that. And I've always I can also see uh, a mirror image of, of what what right doesn't look like. Right. And then what to avoid. So I think if you don't have those two things, if you're operating on one or the other, you're only operating with half of the picture. Right. And then how then how then can one expect to to, to progress without having that? Mm -hmm. To those that can, bravo. Yeah. I'm not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't possess <laughs> that skill. <laughs> yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit. So when did you started figuring stuff out? You started branching out. You started learning a lot more. 
first sergeant. How'd that come up? Wow. So I never wanted to be a first sergeant, or at least I didn't know mm -hmm. um, that I wanted to be a first sergeant. But there was a, a path that, um, that, that crossed um, when I was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I don't know who my first sergeant was at the time. <laughs> um, I don't remember uh, the name or the face. I'm sure I had one. Um, and I'm sure they were great. Um, but at the hospital, there were these two first sergeants that were taking care of the other guy. Okay. The other Air Force guy. <laughs> and I didn't belong to them. Right. But these guys, after they were done talking to him, would always come across the hall. And it wasn't a prolonged period of time. Was, I think they were TDY there, right. you know, for, for a couple of a couple of days. And they made it a point to jump across the hall to talk to this, you know, poor beat up little mm -hmm. airman. Yeah, um, sitting in the hospital bed, you know, looking sorry for himself, yeah. and uh, and to just see how I was doing, and 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 just chit chat, and you know, I think one of them gave me a pair of sunglasses because uh, the sunglasses I had got blown off my face and shattered yeah. into a million pieces. So uh, I think I told them that story, and the next day they showed up. Hey, you know, I heard you broke your sunglasses. I want to <laughs> oh, give you a man. pair of sunglasses. And I was like, Who are these people? <laughs> um, <laughs> what is this magic? <laughs> and uh, I thought. You know what? I want to do that. Yeah, like I want angels. To be, yeah, they, in a way, they they <laughs> yeah. really really were. Um, and I, I knew um, again. I was a staff sergeant, so I was, I was a long way off from from doing that. But mm -hmm. I was like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. The way I'm feeling right now about yeah. those two, I want to be able to pass it on to yeah. to someone else and be that person if if so uh, blessed with opportunity. Um, so I had that in the back of my mind as I progressed, and then because I think of the, the mentality and the experiences, uh, I found myself getting put into position and given opportunity to um, progress and, and, and develop. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started to, uh, to, to promote. Mm -hmm. um, and then before you know it, poof, I'm, a, I'm coming up on being a master sergeant. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I might actually get the opportunity to do this. This is, right. this is, and so when I, when I was a tech sergeant and uh, starting to test for master, I was like, I'm going to be assured. Mm. I'm going to figure it out. I, I don't know. Again, don't know how it's going to work. I'm just going to yeah. figure out how to do it. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I made master, um, I knew I wanted to know before I became a first sergeant because I understood what it, what it was and how important it was and, 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 and how their advisors to, you know, to, to all. Mm -hmm. I was like, let me, let me figure out how to be a good master sergeant. First. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's important. It is. I, I want to get that down. Um, but they're like, I'm going to be, I want to be a diamond. Yeah. I want to wear the diamond. I don't even know if they're going to let me. Mm -hmm. um, when I graduated the academy, I was the first uh, wounded warrior to ever put on the diamond. Mm -hmm. I was uh, numero uno, if you will. Wow. Um, and uh, I guess that was, uh, um, that was something that uh, somebody had to make a decision on. Mm -hmm. um, and they decided to, to, uh, to, to bless me with that opportunity um, to, to be able to, to go out and help people. Mm -hmm. um, and I've said this about every single job that I think I've ever had, but it is one of the best things that I think I've ever done with my life. Yeah. Um, to be able to, to not always, because as, as you well know, not always fame and glory and, yeah. and showing up and being somebody's white knight. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of in between right. that's grungy and dirty yeah. and nasty. A lot of muck. <laughs> but every, every so often you get to do that one thing for that one person um, and that makes the whole thing worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I don't think that I had gone down that path had that yeah. not happened. Yeah. I don't think I would have um, been driven to 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 serve um, 
people in that capacity um, yeah. outside of you know myself and my family yeah um, that's an interesting point that you brought up too because i was just talking to a buddy of mine and we were talking about career aspirations earlier today and uh and he's very analytical so he listed all the pros and cons right and, and most leadership positions that you move into you're going to have more cons than pros. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Leadership is not fair, right? It's an unfair endeavor, right? I say this all the time. So you're so if you're going to go off and expect that it's going to be like even across or you're going to be able to, you know, evaluate off of that, it's just not going to work out. You might as well just not make that decision, right? Just go ahead and go the other way. But in reality, because those pros and cons, one doesn't equal one. Right. Right? Yeah. That, that yeah. one pro could outweigh 10 of the cons especially for a first sergeant. I mean, oh, yeah. like you're getting woken up in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did I get into this Yeah, for? <laughs> I mean, you got to deal with, uh, you know, compassion fatigue, you know, something that I learned about not long ago, that that was a terminology. You know, you're dealing with a lot of different things. And at the same time, you're advising the commander, advising the chief. Uh, and then you're also kind of a lawyer because I'll be like, hey, sure, what's our left and rights here? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. Then you got to work with that. I'll talk like, about the, the, right. the, the hundredth time in my life right. I realized I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. was my, <laughs> the time was the first time. Right. Like, hey, here I am. I'm ready to wreck shop. They're like, oh, oh. Uh, okay, yeah, I might uh, right. <laughs> do a little bit more reading here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of ins and outs of it. And I, I think that... Uh, you know, when you're young and growing up, you think leadership is easy. It's like, well, wouldn't it be nice? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then you get there and you're like, wow, this is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people need so much of you. Yeah. But I, I think that it's my way. I, I was given so much. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, by people that, that didn't know me. Mm -hmm. And they, by all rights, probably shouldn't have cared. Yeah. But they did it anyway, and they did it because it was the right thing to do, and, 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 and they needed to be that person. So the way I look at it is if, if I can be that for somebody else, even once, mm -hmm. right. then, then don't I owe that to my, to, my, to my men and women in uniform? Do I not um, have that, that obligation to be able to be there for them? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we're all there for... for for certain people in certain scenarios, I think that stuff happens for a reason. Right. I don't know what the reason is, and I never will. And, and yeah. now the math all works out on that. Um, but I only need one, mm -hmm. and I don't even need to know who it is. Like right. the the gentleman that gave me that pep talk yeah. that wasn't really a pep talk. He, right. doesn't, he doesn't know. <laughs> right. You know, but he gave that to me. Mm -hmm. It was a gift, um, and I want to be able to give that gift back. Yeah. Um, if that means I got to toil a little bit mm -hmm. and, and and learn new things so that I can do that, then 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 by God, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is again one of the most rewarding things to to be to be able to lead and mentor and guide men and women um, in this difficult business. I yeah. think it is an honor um, not bestowed on very many people. Right. And, and we probably don't hallmark that enough. Yeah. Um, this is not normal. Right. What we do. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, right. And those that can do it and, and continue to do it, um, my hat is off to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's a great segue into what something I wanted to touch base with you about is just not normal, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, Goggins talk about the uncommon amongst the uncommon, right? And, and and I think about this pretty often is, you know, the savage mindset. And it's not to boast. It's just talking about some of the perspectives you have when 
you can say, or at least you're striving to have that savage mindset. And, and I see it in you. And some of the things that um, we could just say you're savage, but let's talk about some of the things that come with that, what makes you savage. And I think a lot of it has to do with the experiences you've had, right? All the way from the car washing, sure. right? <laughs> right? The, the car washing incident, right? And everything from getting blown up, the experiences along the way, having to relearn how to walk. But something that you and I have talked about in the past, you know, over lunch is that we have in common is that, and it, sometimes it could go overboard, but we like taking on the burden, right? Whatever that is, just like what you just talked about right there. Why not me then? If you know, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're going to be the one that serves. And, and I feel the same way. Um, now, when I was younger, I used to take on the burden, but I was being more of a martyr because I'd complain about it afterwards. <laughs> right. But you know, when I, when I got older, I realized I'm built in a way, at least in my own mind, that I can take on more burden. So if I can take that on for, for the group around me, then I will, right? And I see that in you as well. Where do you think that came from for you? I mean, I, I think it really all started, you know, when I, when I first talked about my father and, and, and how he raised us. Mm -hmm. um, my father taught me that a job worth doing is a job worth doing right. Mm -hmm. um, and so... And again, the catalyst for that where it really burned into me was, was watching that damn car. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that if we're going to be out there and we're going to be leading people, we need to make sure that they understand the importance of that because it plays into so many other things. Right. Um, and, and, and we take on a lot of that as leaders um, and we stumble through these things, but you know, when I was growing up and he taught me that I, I just made sure that it was, it was, it was imperative. It was mm -hmm. important to me that everything I did, I did it as perfectly as I could possibly do it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was, it was given to me. Right. Um, I was tasked, I was charged. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what any of those words mean right. meant yeah. when I was, uh, when I was younger, right. but I was given something, somebody entrusted me and, and empowered me to do something. And, um, and my father taught me that if I didn't meet those expectations, there would be disappointment. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to disappoint anybody. Right. And at a very young age, I didn't want to disappoint. So, you know, when I got my first real job working in landscaping, I mean, I, I made myself indispensable. Mm -hmm. I was a young kid. I, mm -hmm. I can only be given so much responsibility, but I tried to kill it. Yeah. Um, not necessarily because I wanted to get paid more. I wanted to be personally satisfied with what I did. Right. I wanted to walk away from a project mm -hmm. knowing that I did that. Mm -hmm. And I worked with my brother, me and my brother, we, we did that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I'd sign my name to it mm -hmm. um, because someone else is going to see what I did. Yeah. And I'm going to leave that for somebody. Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a part of somebody's life potentially. Mm -hmm. um, so what I leave behind is important. Right. Um, and that just kind of started to carry through. I wanted to make sure whatever I was leaving behind, I wasn't leaving behind dirty laundry. Yeah. I was leaving behind something that was, was enduring, something that was solid, something that I would be fine with, with, with fixing my name to. Right. And uh, I, I think that just carries through to everything that, that, that I think I do and everything that I think you do or mm -hmm. other leaders do. Um, will you put your signature on it? Right. Will you put your name to it? Right. Long after we're gone and somebody looks at it, what are their thoughts going to be? And the whole protecting the family name, right? Because you're representing more than you. 
when right. you do that, right? And that, and that's a huge part of it too. And, and when I say taking on the burden too, it's like, it's not just, it's like putting yourself second or third or fourth. And the thing that you talked about earlier when um, you were in the bed, you know, you just woke up and you see your wife napping, you know, maybe you did need some time to yourself to kind of understand it, but you're also concerned if she even got something to eat. and you just got blown up (laughs) why why would one even think of that right right but i mean i think that some people have that you know what i mean like i and oftentimes i i like i'm very happy that i've surrounded myself with a lot of people with that mindset because to me you know i'm learning all the time it's reinforcing that same thought in me it's like okay yeah i might have had a rough day but somebody else is telling me about their day Right. You know, maybe we gravitate towards one another. Maybe that's how the world. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's how the world gets balanced. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, yeah, I think that that whole taking on the burden is something that it definitely had to grow up. But it's something that now I embrace. Right. You know, and I see that same thing in you. And I think it's great for a first sergeant to do it. Now, like I said, you can overdo it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I've been a victim of that, too. You know, you know, let myself go a little bit too far on that. Right. But, you know, when you when you talk about, you know, savage mindset, I think once you once you go through those things, and you've built that what, that mentality up within yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're in, in the room. Right. Right. And you're and things are occurring and then things start coming up that need to be done. Yeah. Um, you start. Somebody's jump on that. Right. Uh, this needs to be done. Right. Know, there's that awkward pause in right. the room. And it's almost frustrating sometimes. Like some of you better grab this, or I'm right. gonna grab it for you, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because because we need to get after. It. We don't have time to waste. Um, but then you know, knowing that you can't always be the one to to do that, because mm-hmm. if you do that, if we do that all the time, we just because we have that skill and that um, that mindset, we're we're taking from other people. Right. So taking that tactical pause yeah. and then really like, all right. Let me figure out who, who this best is, is suited for so that they can, you know, that I can help mentor them through yeah. that process. I think that's, you know, that initial thought process of right. we can do this. Right. We're going to get after it. We're going to kill it. We're going to make it great. But I probably shouldn't do it myself. Probably have somebody else help, right. me, out, help me out with this. Mm-hmm. But it's that willingness to, I think, jump in and not hesitate to to take that on. Right. That's that's how I see it. You yeah, know, yeah. You're you're really just you're not afraid of it anymore. Like you, I mean, you have some trepidation, but this is common ground. I have been here before. I know how this how this can work out. Mm-hmm. I can, you can see it. You can almost see it unfold. Right. Um, you just got to get the right the right people on board and bring them with you. Right. Instead of dragging them. And I think that one of the downfalls of maybe a savage mindset is because sometimes we're so uh, can be so confident and right. so uh, self assured that we want to just go. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to make sure the tow bar is hooked up. Right, sure. right. We're, we're, leaving, we're leaving everybody behind. You know what I mean? And yeah, I get. But that I struggle too. with I struggle with right. that a lot. Sometimes I just want to go. Right. Go, go, go. Um, mm-hmm. I got to stop and make sure that I, I got I got yeah. everybody else uh, yeah. <laughs> hooked yeah. up to the wagon first yeah. before before we go. It's just one of those yeah. things that I got to make sure that I do personally. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I, I've always had that wanting to take on the burden, but like I mentioned at some point. I'd also whine about it but like why am i the only one always doing it and i realized well i'm doing this to myself i'm actually right. wanting it right and then once you come to peace with that you realize that that's just part of who you are why why wouldn't i just take this on you know right. the burden of that and i think the difference between what i'm describing is um what i see in you is that some people get in those situations and they think why am i in this situation <laughs> right <laughs> this this sucks where somebody else walks in a situation is 
this is why I'm here. Right. <laughs> right? I'm here to help with this. Right. And there's and it's just two different mindsets that result in very different consequences. Yeah, being at peace with chaos. Right. Um, you know, one person's uh, trials and another person's triumph. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really just depends on how you look at it. You know, and we've talked a lot about expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are our expectations? And, you know, when they don't get met, how does that make us feel? And that's right. where stress comes from. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild to be able to, uh, and we don't even think about it. I know right. I don't, it, it comes naturally at a, at a certain point, but it's a lesson that we need to make sure that we're taking the time to, mm-hmm. we need to teach it because we're, we're good at doing it, but we also need to teach it. Right. Um, and sometimes the only way to teach it is to, you know, spark kick somebody off the, off the cliff sometime <laughs> and, then, and then be there for them, right. you know, to catch them halfway yeah. down. Yeah. Don't let them, you know, try right. to let them hit bottom. But <laughs> I mean, that's, and you don't really realize that that's what's happening until you're surrounded by a lot of people who don't want to take on the burden, right? I mean, right. Like, like you're surrounded by a lot of people that aren't, and you're like, oh, mm. <laughs> y- y'all don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, so, so it, it's definitely a, like, you know, you call it a savage mindset, a servant mindset, you know, all, all those things. Yeah, it, it's interesting. But the other thing that, um, that I noticed that savages do is kind of in the same vein, but they look for the harder route if they can take it, right? right. They're not looking for the comfortable route. They want to know. And a lot of it has to do with proving stuff to themselves. Oh, yeah. And, and I see that, like, you know, I'll, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, might have been a month ago now, geez. But I was running my normal Sunday half marathon, and I see you with your weapon, <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you know, training for that Norwegian ruck, ruck march that yeah. we were going to both do. I was going to go in that thing not training at all, and I figured I'd <laughs> pay for it. But, you know, but I, I, and I saw you, and then we caught up to each other, and we we're walking and talking. And I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what people think right now that are driving by, <laughs> right? Because it's like, yeah, it's easier for me to stay in the chew. It's my day off. Right. <laughs> I can relax and watch some Netflix. Uh, I want to go put myself. Uh, I have to relax. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to I put myself through some experiences and even embrace. And I would say there's two parts of a run that I enjoy the most. The one where it feels like you're running on pillows, everything feels easy and it happens. It's fleeting, but it yeah. happens, oh, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah yeah and then uh that other part where you start feeling that real pain come in and then you're like okay i have to overcome this there it is right yep that's why i'm here right, right there right that's what i was looking for uh the opportunity to overcome and um you know I, i've noticed that the people that i look at like savages like you are going to go that route right mm-hmm. they're going to look for opportunities to do that you know, this is going to be terrible yeah. which means I have to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> right? And we learn a you lot know, from those moments, though. You right? do, especially when you we're going through, you know, stuff that, you know, work at home. We're mm-hmm. like, all right, this needs to be done. Well, I can do it this way. <sighs> we really need to tear this thing apart. Yeah. I don't want to. Right. But I already, I already know. Right. I already know that's what needs to happen. Right. And uh, <laughs> it might as well be me that does If you don't want to do it, it's probably the <laughs> yeah, right, right, right thing right. to do. <laughs> Uh, it is funny how often that happens, and, yeah. you know, but, but then again, I think, you know, when people ask me, like, how do you do that, man? How do you, how do you be okay with operating that way? And I say, well, repetition, mm-hmm. really, you just got to right. do it. You got to do it a couple of times and then it's not so scary anymore. Right. Uh, going through the process, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, continually putting yourself in that, that position mm-hmm. and, uh, conditioning right. yourself to it. That's a 
it's huge. This is the conditioning piece. Because yeah. if you don't, and that's why most people, they, they don't, uh, unfortunately, I think, get what they're looking for because they're not willing to, that, I mean, that step is hard. Right. It is hard to, to knowingly, and we're not built that way as human beings. It goes right. against our nature. Right. We are naturally going, we are animals. Right. We are going to avoid, we're going to try to get the maximum amount of product for the minimum amount of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what animals do. Right. Um, and the only thing that separates us is, 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 um, our, our incredible brain powers, you know, yeah. beings to be able to counteract that natural instinct. Right. Um, and, uh, if you never exercise it, then you never get to feel it. And right. that's the hardest thing to, to teach Like, Yeah. Yeah. Jump in front of that train. Yeah. You'll be fine. I promise <laughs> you, could, you know, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just got to do it a couple of times and then you'll, you won't be as afraid of it. Um, and it's hard and it's still hard. And I, I don't ever want people to think that we don't feel yeah, the same way. Absolutely. I tell people, I feel stressed. I feel inadequate. Right. I feel right. uh, many different things. It's windy outside. I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, don't want to deal with that. Uh, right. The, the feeling is always there. Yeah. It never goes away. Right. Um, I was talking to somebody just last week about that ever, mm-hmm. ever goes away, mm-hmm. but you get accustomed to, to feeling mm-hmm. that way. And so you, that, that enables us, I think, to continually mm-hmm. step into the breach and, yeah. uh, and close the door and then pull the cord. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that for people mm-hmm. um, right. because there's only so many people that are willing to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but we have to continue to do it to, to provide the example. Yeah. If we're, if we don't provide the example, then there's going to, I mean, somebody has to follow us. We're not going to be in this business forever, right. nor in this world forever. Yeah. Um, and there has to be people to follow us. Um, you know, I think about my kids a lot, you know, what do they take by my example? I wonder, mm-hmm. um, they're just now getting old enough to, to probably formulate their own thoughts and opinions on that. Right. Um, what are they taking from that? Right. What am I, what am I leaving from mm-hmm. them? What are they witnessing? Was there a, a, a washing the car moment for them? Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I don't think I ever really told my, I think I told him, you know, years and years and years yeah. after the fact. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, um, you know, my children, my airmen, right. what do they take from that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also is a driver, you know, yeah. um, those thoughts about, about what, what our folks yeah. feel about us being in those positions. Right. Um, and it's also a motivator mm-hmm. to, to, to continually try to be better. Right. Yeah. And you don't learn when you're at ease. You know, no. and that's like, I'll tell you, like when I came out here and, you know, there's some um, debates and I'll, I'll probably sign up for a, a full marathon race as well at some point. But some people will say that that actually doing a race will be harder. And my mindset it's actually more difficult when there's no one motivating you except yourself. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. I have never had my races have always been pleasant. Right. They're good things. You're with other people. They're motivating. You get to stop at the station real quick. You don't feel as tired. You're you're amped up. Um, But the the training, the lead up, the development to get to that point is just awful. Right. Um, I told uh, somebody, uh, somebody was asking me, hey, how do you keep getting out there? Why do you run so much? You know, how do you how do you get to that level where you can do what you do? Obviously, I don't run thousands of miles like you do. (laughs) I'm in the hundreds. And I told them, like, I make sure that my workouts suck. Yeah. I dread my workouts. <laughs> yep. You know, when I was uh, um, an instructor down in Lackland, I used to, when I was um, uh, a competitive track athlete, I kind of semi-retired from, mm-hmm. from track. It's just it's a lot of work. Right. Um, but I would get up at 4.30 in the morning mm-hmm. and drive to the track. It would be the track at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I needed to be at work at 7.30. And I would get to the track. Mm-hmm. 
and there'd be nobody there. Yeah. And I would stare at it for a minute. <laughs> and I would tell myself, this is just going to be awful. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'd, uh, you know, slap myself a couple of times and get out of the truck and, 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 and go get to work. Yeah. Um, and it was just funny to me. Every right. single time I would look at it, right. I would dread right. what was to come. But the feeling of accomplishment, mm -hmm. even from the training, mm -hmm. when I was done, I knew I did the right thing. And I, and I think feeling that is something that, that I think should be striven for because it is very uplifting and, um, and it, it helps complete, um, I think, what it is that encompasses what you're after. Right. Um, so if you don't put yourself in that position where you're, where you're not uh, not dreading the process, mm -hmm. and then you're missing a piece of it. Yeah, something about endurance sports, I'll tell you, is it helps build confidence and humility at the same time. It's amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember uh, the first time I got to about 16 miles. I remember it vividly because it, it sucked. You know, I remember running between 16 and 20 miles, and people have told me there's a wall, and that might have been part of it too, you know, because people have talked about the wall that you hit between 16 and 20 miles. And I was running that 16 and 20 miles. And I remember my feet were just in the worst pain ever. And I was like, how could I run another <laughs> six uh, to 10 yeah. miles after this? You know, my feet are just killing me. But amazingly, at some point, they just stopped hurting. And right. I was like, huh. And that experience I came back later, it was like, when did my feet start hurting again on the next run? I was like, it'll go away. Because right. I've been through it before, right? right? And I think that's important. And the other thing, I think something about that, what you just talked about was like, this is going to suck. But if it didn't, then everybody would be doing it. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the thing, finding the limit. You know, I right. think everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know, right? right. Well, and then they talk about it too. This is what I, well, if I was there, this is what I would do. If I had this happen to me, this is how I would handle yeah. it. But they don't actually know. Right. And I feel bad. Honestly, I'm too yeah. honest. I feel bad for people. Right. Because um, you don't know until mm -hmm. until you go. Right. Um, you don't know that you can run 10 miles until you, until you run 10 miles. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you run 10 miles, you're like, huh. I wonder if I could run twelve. Yeah, I could run twelve. And then, and then again, that the you know building and, and, and compounding that that experience, like we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. um, is 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 incredibly free. Yeah, that knowledge that I don't even know what my true potential is. Right. A lot of people get to a certain point and they stop. Yeah. Like, this is it. Yeah. Well, um, it's a little bit uncomfortable now, so let me stop. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but then, then you really never understand what you what you're, what you're capable of. Right. Um, and so now, I, I really, I really, truly believe I will never know. Right. Mm -hmm. What I am capable of, mm -hmm. because every milestone that I pass, I realize that I passed it, mm -hmm. and I need to start looking to the next milestone, mm -hmm. um, or, or 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 do nothing. Right. And and for me, that's like an impossibility mm -hmm. because. Once you train yourself to do that, your mind will naturally just seek the next thing. It almost becomes automatic, which again is, is in my opinion, freeing because it, 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 you tend not to hit that mental wall as often um, mm -hmm. yeah. with, with that knowledge about yourself that, uh, mm -hmm. that I just think is so invaluable. Yeah. Um, and I wish more people embraced it. Uh, but again, you don't know until you know. Right. And, uh, there's a certain catch point in, in people's lives. Unless you hit one of those things, it's not going to push you over that line. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I do think that... Uh, experiencing it there is nothing like experiencing it yeah it's a liberating feeling and and that's what i was kind of getting at earlier when we we're talking about it's like yeah i feel bad for people who haven't been through their crucible now everybody's i'm not downplaying what people go through right so sure. everybody has their own um, different levels of adversity that they go through but some people fall short of that true adversity right that that, right. that real because it got a little bit difficult and they stopped Mm -hmm. And not realizing that there's a whole nother world. It's like 
you could just go yeah. a little bit further yeah. and then you fall over into into narnia yeah you're like man there's a whole thing there's a unicorn over there you know yeah. I'm like wow you know and you start realizing it and it really um it goes back for me it happened somewhere when i was uh first listening to um goggins can't hurt me and the book overall was great, you know, but that Heraclitus quote, he talks about how out of every hundred soldiers out there in a war, yeah, 10 of them shouldn't yeah. even be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? 10 of them shouldn't even be there. Right. 80 of them are targets <laughs> and nine of them are the real soldiers that can turn the entire war. Right. Can turn it. But there's only one warrior. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like to strive to be that 1% and whatever that looks like for you. Right. And whatever profession you're in, I think that that differentiates what makes someone a savage. Just trying, yeah. not being there, but right. Trying. Oh, yeah. Right. That's the thing. You got it. You've got to you've got to try mm -hmm. um, for as often as we try. There's a chance that, again, goes back to chance. There's that chance that we'll succeed. Right. Um, but the mindset of, of continuing wanting to push and try for mm -hmm. it um, and right. and be that guy. What was that? Uh, what movie was that? The guy keeps getting knocked down. What was that? Spartacus. You know, never giving up and never um, giving the signal of surrender, mm -hmm. um, giving it all to your last breath, just yeah. keeping, even, even though you're losing, right? But you're still getting up and you're still going after it, right? Because um, they're striving for that chance to, right. to rise and stand, yeah. And even if you don't make it, mm -hmm. that you, you've already learned a valuable yeah. lesson, yeah, that you can continue even when you think you can't, yeah. you can, and uh, yeah, there's so many ways to apply that. That, that I think uh, that could be a lot more benefit uh, for people if they keep pushing and keep pressing, yeah. even when it's when it's terrible. Yeah, I mean, that chance thing is amazing, right? Just a perspective that you can take from that. I mean, I've seen people when when promotion percentages come out like, oh, six <laughs> percent. There's no way. But, you know, if you get that savage mindset, you're like, I think I'm. I can compete with the top six percent. Like, right, yeah, you know I've, always, I mean? I, I've always looked at it like that too. You know, like, like why I, not? I'm in, a, I'm in a room with ten other guys. Yeah. Like, eh, I could probably be the top five. I'm right, right. pretty good about this. Yeah, and and um, if I'm not, then I got to work harder. I learned right. something, right? I learned something from that instead of oh no, right, yeah, like <laughs> the percent is too low. <laughs> like everybody asked me, uh, a lot of people ask me. I mean, you're already there, but you know, hey, you know, Chief's coming up. You're gonna make Chief. I'm like, well, you know, if I'm worthy, and if mm -hmm. uh, um, whoever's looking at my uh, my, my my body of work believes mm -hmm. that I yeah. um, make the cut and I make the cut. If not, then I know, I know why mm -hmm. like yeah. that in and of itself, I think helps out a lot. I know right where I'm short. Right. I really, really feel like I do. Um, and so when I don't get things that I would like, yeah, I know why it's not, the it's not a mystery. I, it's not right? the yeah. blame resides yeah. with me. Right. And I know it. And that's, that's that thing I talk about too, is that's part of that savage mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not that you're looking at it as like, oh. I didn't get six, a fair shake. Yeah, I didn't get a fair shake. Oh, the percentage is too low. Or, you know, I wish the percentage was higher so it'd be easier for me to get in. Like, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're I okay messed, with it I'm, being low. I messed up. Yeah. Um, and, and, I I, yeah. and savage is like, I'm okay that's low percent. I want to know if I'm one of the top percent. <laughs> you know what I mean? I need to know I need to work on some right. other things and it'll push right. me to be better. Um, right. So, uh, you know, a lot of my, you know, my, my buddies and pals, we get frustrated about it. Um, and I know, I, you know, I, I guess in a way I, I, I've been uh, fortunate where, mm -hmm. where maybe others have not. I think there's, there's, there's a lot of people like that. Right. But I know when I'm in those shoes, that's exactly where my mind's going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
I know what I need to do. Yeah. Um, and I think the things that we choose not to do, we do so deliberately. Right. There are things that I know I should be doing that right. I probably have deliberately decided right. not to do yeah. for X and Y reasons. Instead, I can't um, for whatever reason. Yeah, you know, because I mean, yeah. I'm diverting energy here and diverting yeah. energy there. Yeah. But that's a conscious choice. And yeah. I don't think you, yeah. again, that's why it's so important to, to, yeah. to embrace that mentality, the savage mindset, because right. then you know. Right. You know yourself in ways that, that right. maybe other people don't. Yeah. Um, and you can own that. Yeah. But it's a little bit better to own those right. moments where, where you, you come short. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love because earlier when you talked about the power of words, you know, and just now tying it to what you just said is, yeah, you can, you can say, I can't do these things, but you're choosing not to in reality, right? right. You're choosing not to. And, yeah, 100%. and there's a Lao Tzu quote that's just awesome. He says, your reckless choice of words does not absolve you of the responsibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And you're like, damn, it got me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and there's a relation to like, oh, if you say I can't play with my kids right now, it's like, no, you're choosing not to play with your kids right now. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, don't, that don't. That is all you, my man. <laughs> man, man this is a great conversation, man. No, I really enjoyed been, it. Really been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we got to do it. I don't know what time it is, but it's, I know. it's just been going Oh, by. yeah, we, it definitely has. <laughs> and we, we got to do this again. Um, soon actually man this is a great conversation we'll do we'll make it happen yeah (laughs) but you know what i can't let you out of here without uh, hitting you with the leadership rapid fire all right let's go all right so four questions i'm gonna ask them however you want to interpret the question and however you want to answer it right that's that's the rules because sometimes people like well what do you mean by this like just how did you interpret the question (laughs) all right question number one what is your favorite leadership trait and why my favorite leadership trait is honesty Hmm. i like to know what the deal is in any situation. Um, I can almost get behind mm-hmm. anybody for anything because I serve with the pleasure. Right. As long as I get the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, even if even if it's somebody that I that I maybe don't particularly care for, mm-hmm. if I get a straight shot yeah. and, and get the left and right limits and this is what it is and this is why we're, we're we're going down this route, I can find a way within myself to get behind it. Right. So honesty really is at the forefront of, of, of leadership traits that I look for. Um, that I try as often as I can to, to, to give to my people that I have the opportunity to lead is let me tell you what the deal is. Let me tell you why we're here um, and, and, and try not to keep things a mystery to them. So I feel like if they can understand where I'm coming from, really, really kind of um, wrap their minds around um, what I'm all about, and what we're trying to do, then I can get them to, to want to help me get towards that goal. And if I can get people to want to get there with me, mm-hmm. it's a whole lot easier than dragging them. Yep. Um, and two, for the people that lead me, mm-hmm. I don't want them to have to feel like they have to uh, drag me across the finish line. Mm-hmm. So if I can get that from them yeah. and, and really feel like I connect with, uh, or at least understand where they're coming from, uh, then I'll follow them anywhere they want to go. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's, it's honesty. That's what's up. All right, question number two. What is your favorite quote? Mm, I think, um, and I almost put this on one of my uh, my uh, my emails um, <laughs> that I sent out to the crew um, biweekly. But um, it's uh, this one's Henry Ford. It's uh, whether you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. Because I can almost apply. I can apply that to to so many circumstances I've been where, and when I talk about knowing yourself. And, and, and having control and making the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the things that I think I've, that I thought I was going to be able to do, I've been able to do. 
Yeah. It's like, it's almost like magic right. because perhaps that savage mindset where I just know I'm, I'm, I'm set to it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. Right. There is no, there is no, um, you know, finishing up short. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I think I can, I will. Nice. Um, but I know the things that I haven't tried. I haven't succeeded in. Mm-hmm. I've avoided them. Um, I uh, maybe half attempted them right. because in my mind, I didn't think I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back at those as missed opportunities because I probably could have placed them in the in the can category. Right. But because I thought it was out of my reach, I, I never got there. Right. Um, and I think about that. I think about that one often. Yeah, that half effort thing is is dangerous. And people don't realize it. And I always go back to a, a snowboarding example is when you don't fully commit, right? You're falling down. Oh, yeah, you're falling down. <laughs> yeah, for sure. hundred percent, right? So you try to half it, you're like, Oh, I'll just try to like control myself so I don't fall too hard, and you're gonna fall pretty hard. And and, and much like all the great things in life, you gotta fully commit to yep. get the to get oh, the yeah. results you want. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. Yeah. I thought you were going to go with the ice cube quote when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that too, that too is a good one. Yeah. Many, many, many. The warrior poet. <laughs> All right. All right. Question number three. What book would you recommend to an aspiring leader? Uh, there's so many. You've given me so many. So I want to say team of teams mm. is something that, that I actually read recently. And I think it gave me a, a better understanding of one, you know, during that period of conflicts, right. What's, what all went into it? Cause I think I, I was definitely not educated on mm-hmm. and all the things that I think we were involved in and, and how we uh, accomplished that particular mission, but um, how we um, really developed the, the, and we talk a lot about joint force and, mm-hmm. and how we, have evolved into the force we are today. I think that was the, that period that that book yeah. kind of encapsulated um, that, that sets up the way that we will wage war and conduct um, operations and conflicts um, mm-hmm. for, for many, many years to come. Yeah. And I'm still going back to that book periodically yeah. and rereading things. I think when I read through, I only got, you know, you read something yeah. the first time, yeah. you, you don't uh, fully understand it until you, you go back and read it again. But I think what I took from it is what the the vastness of what it takes to make this enterprise work and all of the minds and all the people um, and all of the the struggles that came with it that I was in the dark on. Yeah. You you think about someone uh, or you think about an event or you think about a process. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just happens. Yeah. You know, they just figure it out, but yeah. you don't know the details and the, 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 the darkness and the, and the, the, the defeats and the triumphs. Um, so reading that really kind of opened my eyes to how, how we get from A to B and, um, and the many, many people that, that helped make that a reality. Um, and I'm still learning a lot from that book. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. And the thing I loved about that book, too, is you don't have to be in the military to gain a lot from that book. No. There's a lot of great examples that McChrystal puts out there. So, awesome. All right. The final question. <clears throat> this is the deep question of the day. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's go. So, at the Llama Lounge, we're all about life, learning, and leadership. So how does Ben Siegel find his harmony between life, learning, and leadership? Mm. How do I find my harmony? So when I think about harmony, I think about um, the the place that I go to 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 settle my minds and, and sift through all the uh, uh, bazillion thoughts and feelings that I go through on a daily basis with uh, um, you know my family, uh, my profession, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I might say something that's going to surprise you, mm-hmm. uh, but it's on the bike. Hmm. Um, I put a lot of miles on my bike at home. Here, it's, it's, I guess it would be yeah. running. So through physical yeah. fitness. Yeah. Um, but I have never um, been so clear in my mind as when I am on um, my, uh, my bicycle. Yeah. Um, and, and, and putting down um, a whole bunch of miles and really reflecting because there's nothing else to do right, except yeah. look at the pavement. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I beat myself up on that bike a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and come to a lot of uh, realizations and uh, conclusions mm-hmm. um, just because everything on everything on the outside is is null and void at that point. It's just mm-hmm. me, the machine, and the road. Yeah. Um, and, and just the constant humming of the tires on the pavement. And you know, I don't, I don't traditionally listen to music while I'm while I'm cycling. I like to be in the moment and just feel everything. And it's in those moments where I, I feel like I learn, yeah, about what I went through that mm-hmm. day or that week. Yeah. And most of it's, you know, kind of kicking myself for I could have done that better. Or I could have mm-hmm. um, gone it down a different path. But it is, it's through that physical fitness that uh, that I'm able to settle myself. Yeah. Um, recenter get a clear sight picture of how I want to attack, attack those issues the next day. And then I rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat over and over and over again. (laughs) I feel like I'm never done thinking about it. Right. It's like something that continually comes to mind, but that's where it happens Mm -hmm. um, for me. So it's, it's through um, developing my body and and, um, spending that energy. Mm -hmm. That's when all those things kind of settle down for me. Oh yeah. Ben Siegel, man. The Great. one and only. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The one and only. The world couldn't handle another one of you. Not back. It's over. <laughs> Grateful for you to visit the lounge. Thank you, man. And thank you for being an amazing friend. And um, I'm just, I feel honored to be connected with you forever now. No, again, uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Um, I think our, our entire time going forward, you know, I think uh, we talked about an enduring friendship. Um, I wholeheartedly believe that. I know this will not be the last oh, yeah. to, that we grace the same turf. And it's just been an amazing experience. And I've learned so much. And I think everything that you've done for everybody here and the people that you're going to impact in the future. I think everyone's here for a reason. I mm-hmm. think uh, um, our reasons, there's no eclipse on that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, brother. And as always, to all the listeners, be safe, stay healthy, and llamas out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.